SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Football Full Circle right here on the grid. Mike Blute and George Kurtz taking around the world in the NFL for the next couple of hours. And uh, going to get started with big story in the news with the Los Angeles Chargers, George. Uh, they've been a team that we've been looking at specifically in terms of sort of long-term continuity, right? Uh, we think that there's a lot of talent on this team, but there were several players that were coming up for potential contract extensions. They get the Joey Bosa contract extension done. That happened live on Hard Knocks, and everybody got to see him uh, sign the papers. And then Melvin Ingram, his line mate, was sitting out of practice, wasn't doing any live drills. And the Chargers, in an effort of good faith, it seems, have moved uh, – guaranteed this year's salary of $14 million, which allowed him to, in his mind, return to practice. So we thought that we were headed down this path where they were looking to guarantee some of the money so that he wouldn't be in a situation where he could lose out on any money due to lost games or anything along those lines. So a little more money in Melvin Ingram's pocket doesn't say anything about what his long-term future is, but he feels safe and secure, and I, I would suggest it is an act of good faith in an effort to keep him down the road. Yeah, I think it's exactly what it was. The Chargers really don't lose anything here unless they were planning on cutting Ingram at some point this season, which I, I find highly unlikely. So yeah. they just give him his, his guaranteed money. So listen, if it makes the player happy and you don't, you don't doesn't cost you anything, rugs out for both sides, right? So uh, I think it's really much ado about nothing here uh, with Ingram. I don't know why he felt. Did he feel like they were going to cut him? He's still one of the better pass rushers. He may not be the same player he was a couple of years ago, but he's, he's still just, one of the better players. I think players like him with no long-term prospect of a, an extension, at least at the moment, are looking at this season say, all right, what if we knock out eight games off this season? Am I going to lose money? Depending how it's structured, right? You and I both know that people look at guaranteed money in different ways, and as you start to dive into it deeper, some of these guarantees are like, it's a game bonus. So like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to cut you, but you got to play in that game. And some of these players guarantees are tied into the number of games that they play for each individual season. So if the Chargers only play 12 games out of the 16 because of COVID reasons and frankly George and I were talking about these complications right before we got on air, players could lose out on some money. So he gets the good faith they guarantee all the 14 million. Yeah, I think, it's, I think good faith is really what it is here. right? It makes both sides happy. The Chargers don't want to lose them. The Chargers, they're a strange team because this team has talent almost everywhere. We just don't know about the most important position, that's quarterback. You know, we don't know what Taylor can do. You know, we don't know. Uh, is Herbert going to come in and be that guy? Is it going to take him half a season, two seasons? We just don't know this. Is it worth bringing him in right away here? In a season where eh, you're not, even if things go well, you're not going to catch Casey anyway. You're playing for the one of the wild cards. There are three, so maybe the it's a tough decision for the Chargers to yeah. see what because like I said, you got Ingram, you got both. The defense is good. It's not Buffalo Bills good, but it's good. The talent is there. The offense at the skill positions looks good. Echo looks like a good running back. We know the receiving core: Keenan Allen, solid. Hunter Henry at tight end, solid. The players are there really to make a run, but quarterback is still going to be a question mark this season. Yeah. And and watching Hard Knocks, which I know you're not a regular viewer, but 
it was there was an interesting moment because they profiled Austin Eckler uh, for a few minutes there, and it is a reminder to a lot of people that Eckler was a Division II player who made an impact during preseason games, notably the fourth preseason game of his rookie season. And Anthony Lynn was even saying something to the effect of, without those preseason games, we probably wouldn't have Austin Eckler. He'd just be gone. So that was a reminder. Back to the salary cap situation for a moment. They have $66 million in cap room next year. We all know that there could be issues with the amount of that's projected right now is via over the cap to be 215, but all of us know that's probably not a real number. It will probably will be closer to the 175. It's 198 this year. Might be as far down as 175 due to lack of revenue that's incoming. That's still a moving target. But the Chargers, to put it more succinctly, have the sixth most cap room uh, of all the teams. Is that right? Seven, six or seven, right in that range tied with the Bengals, a couple of dollars off either way. So they do have some money to sign some players, but Melvin Ingram and Keenan Allen are really first, are 1A and 1B on that list. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Ingram will be 32 before next season. Yeah. Right? right? So, that, I mean, that's up there. You know, so maybe he won't be as important as people think. Uh, no, I think the cap's going to be around 180. Uh, 175 is the floor. Some teams are going to have fans in the stands, so that'll be some more, more revenue for the NFL. I'll, I'll I'll bump it up a little bit to 180. It's certainly not going to be 215. That's not going to happen. So there is, they still have money. You said they're what they are 60 66 million at 215. So that's 36. They're really at 30 million, in my mind, which is good. Certainly better than a lot of teams who are right at, going to be in cap hell next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm dying to see what's going to happen next year, Mike. With all these teams that are already at or above the cap now. Cowboys are going to have problems. Eagles, I think, are something like 260 something million next year right now with their, yeah. all the uh, the contracts. That's a lot of restructuring. A lot of players going to be put on the uh, the waiver wire here as we welcome in our radio audience. Uh, so I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how teams or how general managers, how the capologists adjust to this. All this, uh, this it's going to be exit. Like I, I think they're going to be a slew of cuts unless the C, unless they redo the CBA. If the NFLPA and the uh, owners can come to an agreement, they change things around. But if they don't. We're going to see a slew of cuts after the season. I'll give you a, a little question here before we head, head to break. You can sign one or two of these players, Melvin Ingram, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, moving forward, long term. Who do you got? Can't sign all three. You know, I'm Keenan right. Allen will be – remember, his, his birthday is a day after uh, Melvin Ingram's. Go figure. I'm going to sign the wide receiver. You need it, and you need to have the young quarterback. And I'm going to – assuming Ingram doesn't – his play doesn't uh, – Tap off. I'm going to sign Ingram, too. Need the pass rusher. All right. So Henry goes. So George and I will come back. We'll talk about the Washington football team right after this on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the grid, football full circle, talking with George Kurtz here about uh, Los Angeles Chargers. We're going to get into Washington in a moment, but I'd like everybody to follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, on Instagram at SportsGridTV. I'm at Mike Blewett. He's at George Kurtz. So you felt like I cut you short on the Chargers, so I'm going to give you a little extra time. 
I said you can keep one or two of those players long term. I don't know if they can keep two with all these cap situations, but the Chargers have six or seventh most. Again, I, it's like off by a few bucks. Six or seventh most cap room going into next year. And those are the three guys that are going to be their top priorities, right? We know Derwin James will eventually get a long-term deal. It doesn't have to happen necessarily this offseason. This will be his second. This will be his third year, actually. So they got to start thinking about it. But they can fifth-year option him, whatever. They, they can wait. Uh, but Henry, Ingram, Allen are all up. Henry's on the tag now. Allen and Ingram are up after this year. And you think you would keep Allen, Ingram that priority. because? But you were saying during the break, you really would like to keep Henry, too. So explain that logic. Yeah, first of all, I think uh, anybody who's not due, who's not, whose contract is not coming due next year, you're not getting extended. Right. Because all most teams, not all, but most teams are going to be in salary cap hell, which will be very difficult to sign anyway because the cap's going to come down. I'm, I may be being generous when I think it's going to be 180. Maybe it will be down to 175. We really don't know. But it's not going up. We know that. That's not happening unless they read – they rejigger the CBA, which I, maybe they'll do, maybe they won't. So we'll see what happens there. So uh, Derwin James, as much as uh, maybe the Chargers would like to, it ain't happening. And that's for any other player. You're signed to next year. You're signed for next year. Teams aren't going to have the luxury of redoing contracts. I just don't see it. Uh, that's also assuming the Chargers believe in paying the safety. We don't know that. That's because they drafted him. Don't mean they uh, plan on paying him. We've seen that with other safeties that go bye-bye. I think Jamal Adams. I think Landon Collins. You know, guys like this who didn't get their second contract for the team. So anyway, uh, I think what the problem is all three players have value. Ingram, Allen, Henry, right? I mean, you want the pass rusher, but he's going to be 32. That's why I think uh, Ingram really depends on what he does this season. Allen, I think you have to resign, right? You got a young quarterback in Herbert. You need to have that top wide receiver paired with them. I know you can make the argument that, well, wouldn't a top tight end be important as well? It is. It really is because, once again, he's that big difference target. maker. When healthy, that's the issue. He's not healthy a lot. He is back there, but he's not George Kittle. He's not He's not even Zach Ertz. He's certainly not Kelsey either, who is a, uh, you know, going to catch 90 to 100 balls. He's not quite that player here. So I think in your scenario there, and I agree with you, by the way, they'd be lucky to be able to sign one. I would put it in order, Allen, Ingram, Henry. I'd like to sign all three. But that's the order I'm going in. Allen, Ingram, Henry. Yeah, just to give you a sense, too, of the Chargers' cap room right now. Right now, their active cap spending is $180 million. They have eight and a half in dead money. That's for the base salary cap of 198 So they have $13 million left over. That's right now. So imagine teams like them which are having all this money clear off the cap next year. Now, they have the $66 million. We're talking about diverting back whatever the money is. It's just call Ingram's salary flat and Keenan Allen's salary flat. You're adding 20, you're taking 25 right off, maybe more. 14 plus, I mean, Allen's going to get in the 15 range, right? 15, 14, 15, right? I think that's fair. So we're taking 30 off right there. And now, so then we're talking that they only have 30, and Henry as well. So Henry goes. You're taking 35 in cap space off of 215. That's exactly 180. So if they did, if everybody keeps their salary right now, and Henry goes, you're at the number that you said earlier, George. So it shows you how complicated this is getting. 
That's anybody else that's whose contract is up. We can't sign you. Anybody else that's here, we might have to restructure to get the more rookies room so we can actually fill out. The right, right. We got to restructure your deal because we don't have any money. Uh, I don't know what so they're going to do. There so many problems with all these teams. And once again, the, and the Chargers, as you said earlier, they're actually in good shape when you think about a cap. They, they are. Extra money. They you can know, sign these two guys. Right, and the other teams cannot. Right, they can't. Now, backloaded contracts that players hate. You'll be the uh, you're the, the credit card coming due. You're going to see that. You also now the Chargers can carry over some money, right? If they don't go to the full cap this year, they'll be able to carry some money over. A little bit. So that yeah, it's it's not a hell of a lot, but it's some. It'll help. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like I said, Mike. I this one's going to be like a, an NFL offseason that we've we've never seen before because I think there's going to be a lot of players put on. I think it's going to drive down salaries, by the way, because there's going to be a lot of free agents out there. I'm not talking top guys, but there can be some decent players out there that can help teams, and there'll be multiple guys at the same position. And when it's good, that's not good for free agency. Guys are going to have to take less money. It's just a yes. bad deal. It's a bad deal. They'll have I think, to I think you'll see a lot of one, two-year deals. Make good. I was, that's why I was talking about with backloaded contracts. Players might take backloaded contracts, which they'll hate to do, but get, get locked in in some way for a two- to three-year deal where it's backloaded, you can still get cut. It's still a bad deal for you, but maybe you can hang in there, negotiate with the team, say guarantee it all, and you can guarantee it year over year. Sort of like, you know, like we talk about how Mahomes' deal is team-friendly. If Pat Mahomes stays on the team, he's still fine, right? But it's team-friendly because they don't owe him a lot early, and they don't owe him a lot guaranteed overall compared to what we thought he was going to get he's getting 140 fully guaranteed we thought we guessed i guessed around 180 185 that's why i call it a team friendly deal because i think that's what the market was you said as much as 200 so just it's how the money moves around here anyway uh, i think we've covered i think we beat the chargers salary cap issues dead but it is something to keep tracking because i think your team out there to those listening and watching is going to be severely impacted. The Browns, ironically, are at the top of the list with cap room for this year. But next year, the teams that are really in good shape, the Colts. The Colts have $114 million in cap space for next year. I don't think they planned on there being a pandemic that was going to impact the finances of the NFL, but they have a lot of room left um, for next year. Jaguars, Patriots, Jets, Bengals, Chargers. That's the top of the list. And the next team on the list is Washington, who we'll transition to talking about right now. So sad story with them, George, is that Ron Rivera, their brand spanking new head coach, was diagnosed with squamous cell cancer. It is thought to be very treatable, so that is good news. But it just feels like one story after another with this team. We have a positive story, which we'll try to end on if we have time. But one thing after another with Washington and uh this is a guy who I think us as football fans have learned to really like even more so because of all the amazing things that everybody said about him when he was leaving Carolina. It really, he's done so much charitable work. It's a military family. He's a guy that played in the league, won a Super Bowl there, was inches away sort of from winning uh, as a coach. And it's a sad story, but I'm glad that the prognosis uh, is positive long term. Yeah, Rivera just can't catch a break. I mean, everything, I think I brought it up to you on a, a past show, where if he had to do it all over again, would he accept this job? And I think there's no way in hell he would. 
with everything that's gone on here. I mean, the cancer is the cancer. I'm not blaming the uh, the cancer on what's going on there. That that happens, you know, and hopefully he does recover fully from that. But uh, as you said, he is very well liked in NFL circles. You don't hear a negative thing about the man. He's handled what's going on in Washington with really, I mean, he's done a great job, right? Done a fantastic job. There's no way he expected, oh, my God, we're going to have to change the name. Oh, my God, all the things going on in the front doors with the uh, you know, possible harassment suits. You know, oh, my God, my running back. Uh, he's got problems of his own. We had to release him. Uh, and he's handled that all very well. You know, so we certainly hope things work out for uh, Ron Rivera. But one thing I'll tell you, I don't see him coaching this year, not the full year. Sooner or later, he's going to have to undergo treatment. And when you undergo treatment, you're not going to be able to coach. You know, I, I hope he can. I truly do. Well, I like watching him coach. He's a great coach and all, but I don't see how that's going to happen. And he's got to take care of himself first, worry about his health has to come first. Now, that's really the most important thing here. He has to worry about team and everything else. Second, put people in place. You have to hire more people to take over. The additional job's fine, but he needs to worry about his health first. Especially especially this team. When you're, you've signed a long-term deal, this isn't about this season. It doesn't mean you're going to punt the season because of this situation, but you are the face of this franchise to some extent long term and it's better off that being healthy if you have to take a few weeks off and uh then have to deal with bigger problems down the line george and i'll come back talk fantasy sports right after this fantasy football season we'll be right back sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back to football full circle on the grid welcoming in our radio audience so george it's fantasy football season i know you have uh what, four drafts coming up in the next week or so, uh, basically? Yeah, I have one draft Monday. It's with Rotowire. Uh, then two my two home league drafts. And then another, uh, I think with CBS, I think that's next, I think it's Friday offhand. So, yeah, four drafts in the next uh, seven to ten days. And looking forward to it. You know, you and I discussed on yesterday's show, it, I don't know if we, because of what's going on with COVID and the pandemic, if we weren't, expecting football or maybe we weren't expecting it to start on time, but it seems to be a little slower this season than normal, right? Where, yeah. And now, uh, now Labor getting, Day's you know, late. Right. Labor Day's late, too. See, it's starting really the second week in September. So maybe uh, all of that put together here. But the juices are flowing now, right? You start looking, uh, put my players in, I have my rankings anyway, but start putting those players in tears, looking about where my draft pick is, who might go before me, strategies I might want to employ here, stuff like that. What kind of league is it? Superflex, uh, keeper leagues. Am I, um, you mentioned yesterday, I got to get my keepers together. Guys, I got a hand in here uh, in, these, in two of these leagues uh, that I'm keeping for, for next season. So uh, looking very much looking forward to draft season. Yeah. So Davis Maddock, who we had on the show yesterday, took us through a whole bunch of stuff. Guys that he likes. We talked, uh, we talked around a lot of different scenarios. And he's really kind of been on record uh, during his podcast. And again, you follow him on Twitter at Davis Maddock, M-A-T-T-E-K. A potential lack of viable zero RB candidates. You know, there's been a a shift over the years, George, of everybody drafting running backs in the first round, and then the upside wins championships component of fantasy football, which is real, is was trying to go the other route and saying you can pick up running backs a little bit later if you lose if that first round running back gets hurt, you're up the creek without a paddle anyway. So why don't you just 
pass on that, stack some of the surefire wide receivers and tight ends, and you can pick up the running backs that you can get later. I never subscribed to that. I understood its viability, but I think marrying yourself to any one strategy when you're playing games like this doesn't make sense. I think you have to be flexible the way things are being drafted. And zero RB, while I have employed it, in some instances, I'm more likely to do a hybrid, which means take one and then wait for a really long time to take the second. Yeah, I, listen, I think the most important part of your statement there is you have to adapt to your draft. You know, we never know really sure how every draft is going to work out. I know I have a plan coming into a draft that generally I'm going to take a running back first round. The only time that changes is if it's a super flex league, which is what I prefer. I believe the four drafts I have coming up, two are super flex, the other two are normal. I could be wrong about that. The Rotowire one might be super flex. Uh, in that case, there is a chance that I could take a quarterback at the end of the first round. A chance. Really depends how things work out. I wouldn't take a quarterback in the first half of the first round, but the, at the end I might. Quarterback is deep. I'm generally going to wait. That's not to say that I wouldn't draft Pat Mahomes. Let's say if he's still there. If I'm playing in a league where everyone's thinking like me and they're waiting on quarterback, Mahomes might be there in round three. That's what I would have to start to look at. Okay, Mahomes fell in a super flex league. In a regular league, one quarterback league, that probably has to fall to round five. Where okay, even though generally I don't want to take quarterback probably to double-digit rounds, if Mahomes happened to slip because everyone's thinking, like I said, same wavelength as me, and he's there at the end of round four, early round five. Yeah, I might pull that trigger because the value now is there for me at quarterback. But uh, like you, I think I've done zero. If I've done 100 drafts in the last, let's say, 10 years, if I've done zero running back once or twice, it was by mistake. And what I mean by that is every time my pick came up, there just wasn't a running back there. There was another player there who was an obviously better player, and he wasn't a running back, a wide receiver, for instance, or that quarterback. Maybe I went wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver. Certainly can happen here. I am a value person. I'm looking for the best BPA, best best player available at that time. I'm not going to take a lesser running back over Mike Thomas if he falls. At, yeah. you know, and at the 11th pick in the first round. I'm not going to do that. I was targeting DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Thomas in the first round last year because as it happened, I didn't really uh, draw the – the long straw in any of my drafts. I, I just wasn't up in the top three or four. So I wasn't getting um, McCaffrey or Saquon, which he was right at the top of the draft last year, or Zeke or even Kamara. Uh, I really wasn't getting any of those. So I was more on the Mike Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins train. Worked out for me. I obviously wish I had McCaffrey, but those other ones worked out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun part. Like I said, you can... There's more than one way to win a league. And you can make an argument, by the way, that taking running backs early is dangerous. They get hurt more than any other position. They do. That's that's why Zero RB really got started. That, that was the impetus for that movement, that you there's so much volatility in taking a running back in the first round who then gets hurt that why not go safer? Wide receivers, on average, miss less games. Let's take somebody that is likely to play more games. That's really the impetus for it, George. Yeah, it is. And wide receivers generally, let's face it, it's a quarterback league, a pass-happy league. All the rules are set for the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. They yeah. can't be touched. They don't, you can't even hit them hard anymore, right? So well, I, I get it. The only issue with it is that, you know, wide receiver 25, pretty good. He's still not bad, whoever that place that might, might be. Although I'm looking here, for me, that's DK Metcalf mm -hmm. on Seattle. Still a pretty good wide receiver, going to do some damage. Mm -hmm. Running back 25, well, now you're at the backups. David Montgomery on Chicago. Maybe Cam Akers. Ronald Jones. 
there's a big difference there between running back one and running back 25 where you could survive at wide receiver. Wide receiver go into the 40s where you could find useful players. You know, think about it. In the 30s here, Michael Gallup who could be a starter for a lot of teams. Will Fuller, who might be the guy to get in Houston here. Uh, Devo Samuel, if he was in health, if he was healthy. You know, you go on and on here. Brandon Cooks on Houston. Julian Edelman. I mean, those guys sure. are going to knock out 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Right. And you go into the running back. potentially score them. six touchdowns. That's always David, the argument. David Montgomery, I think things will be better for him potentially, but we don't have any faith in the offense because we, frankly, is the only team in the whole league, George. We don't know exactly who's playing quarterback. You want to throw New England on that pile? Be my guest. I'm not because I know who's playing it's quarterback. Cam. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if it's not Cam. I mean, uh, they have, it's Cam. They, they don't have a choice. They need Cam. They need Cam to be Cam. Especially now that um, – Stidham threw seven picks in the first 72 hours of training camp, and now he's hurt. What I don't know the extent of the injury. We don't minor. know the extent he's of the open. injury yet. Right, It's he's likely either. to be minor, but seven picks in 72 it hours. It doesn't matter. I mean, you got to – Way to light it up. has got a gift from God. Yes. He got a gift from God that Cam was available. It was the right offseason for him. Uh, he had the ankle surgery. He had the shoulder surgery. No one could bring him in for a look, so he had to sign for the minimum here. I guess it's a gift from God. If Cam – is the Cam of old. I understand that's asking a lot. I don't think he is. But if he is, my God, they lose Tom Brady and they get Cam. I mean, it's like, you got to be kidding me. It's just not fair. It's like, once again, the Colts, when they lost Peyton Manning, they got Andrew Luck. You know, it's just not fair uh, when these things happen. You're supposed to, you know, it's not supposed to work out that way. Far of Darren Rodgers. You know, same thing here. So, uh, listen, I have my doubts about Cam. You know, I don't know if the – because I think the problem for me with Cam is – he needs the shoulder to be able to throw the ball because his accuracy is not all that great anyway, and he needs to be able to run with the ankle. It's he like we talked about guy. with Davis Maddock. You, there is risk. You have to swallow the risk if you're going to draft Cam, but know that if it does work out, it's a bonanza. You're not paying a hefty price for him, and he could have a lot of touchdown equity running, throwing, and everything else. Do I think they're going to be a tremendous offense? No. I don't think the offensive line is as good. I don't think he has as many weapons. But if he develops some rapport with Nikhil Harry, who is a first-round traffic, was just hurt, and maybe Edelman, if Edelman can be right physically. And Sanu, we had higher expectations for last year, but Brady and the offensive line were not good at the end of the year, which is basically when Sanu was on the team. We'll see. I've got Sanu in some best ball scenarios really late, paying a low price for him. I'll take, you know... 65 catches and really more of the touchdown equity that he can provide, I'm in. So um, let's talk, let's go back a, a little bit uh, more towards the zero RB discussion. We can continue this through the next segment as well. Um, this article by Anthony Amico, who writes for SportsGrid, you can find all the stuff on SportsGrid, a lot of NFL content related to fantasy. Uh, this is a zero RB backfield report. So the AFC South, let's start down the line. The Houston Texans depth chart is David Johnson, Duke Johnson, uh, Karen Higdon. Uh, as he says here, the Texans made one of the biggest splashes with the DeAndre Hopkins trade, leading to the only two DJ backfield in the NFL, Duke and David. Uh, so uh, one would expect the former Cardinal to lead RBs in touches, he says here, after Carlos Hyde racked up 259 in 2019 in tandem with Duke. But uh, it could... Duke could certainly be a part of this, according to his article here. It could happen if anything happens to David Johnson. So 
the reality when you're talking about zero RB, George, is you're thinking of the opportunities for a guy that you're drafting later is you're trying to see the path towards him being a starter and a surprise huge fantasy scorer. And you would have to say, based on his injury history, that Duke Johnson is at least a candidate. Yes? I agree. I think he's a zero running back guy. We know he has some talent here. Never really gets the full chance here. Now, he's not going to start to start to start the season. He's no. not. For a couple of reasons. David Johnson does have more talent as a running back, not, not a pass catch, but as a running back than Duke. And also, after they made that trade, that trade which they've been vilified for, right? We've we've crushed them. Everyone's crushed them. When you gave away to yeah. Hopkins, you know David Johnson's getting the ball. Because they need, just, just to, not to get ridiculed anymore, He's they need better. Johnson to have a big year. He's also more talented. He is. He is. But that being said, as you just said, he gets hurt. David Johnson does get hurt. When he's on the field, he's generally productive here. But we're looking at his, uh, you know, his games played here. He gets hurt. Like last, last year, he was solid last year. I had him on a couple of fantasy teams last year. I was happy with him until he got hurt, and then Kenyon Drake ran with it. But he missed three games. He missed 15 in uh, 2017. Now, you know, he's played full seasons three out of five years. It's just been that one. It's just been 2017 where he got crushed. Yeah, right you know, now. Other than that, he's only missed uh, three games in four years. Right, NFFC ADP. Uh, right now, David Johnson, 22nd. This is in the last 10 days. Duke Johnson, 45th. So Duke Johnson is a, clearly a depth running back the way he's being drafted. David Johnson, clearly a starter the way he's being drafted. If you had a choice between the two, would you take David at 22, Duke at 45? And are you bullish on Duke at 45? I would take David uh, at 22. I think that's a great price. You can have around round four. I'll so. take that yeah. gladly. Uh, Duke is someone, I, uh, if I have David, I don't mind adding him later. Yeah. Would you consider it as, uh, all right, we'll come back, talk more fantasy right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the grid, talking about zero RB uh, for your fantasy football league. Zero RB, potentially waiting on running back, seeing who you can get a little bit later. So we're, we're mining the AFC South for candidates right now. Duke Johnson, possibility there. If we all acknowledge, for whatever reason, <laughs> we think that the Texans' offense is going to be ramped up. I tend to think that Deshaun Watson is going to throw more this year than he ever has. I think that's good, frankly, for guys like David and Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson did catch 44 passes last year. Uh, but uh, we definitely think he's a zero RB candidate. So uh, the next team is the Indianapolis Colts. I think this one's tough. Yeah. You got Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. I think we know the Naeem Hines experiment is what it is. I think he's a depth running back who can pick up a few carries in certain scenarios, and but is more of a pass catcher. That's what he is. I think Marlon Mack would be interesting but I wouldn't consider him a zero RB if for no other reason than, let me find out what his price is right now. I'm trying to look it up, Mac. Uh, he's the 33rd running back off the board. So he's going 87th. So you start doing the math, 12. It's just at the end of this, it's middle of the seventh round, basically, George, or the early eighth. 12, uh, it's uh, seventh, it's 84. So it'll be eighth round. Yeah, so beginning of the eighth. Early eight. So, um, 
I don't know if he's really a zero RB candidate. And what is your expectation of how much Taylor takes over and when? Well, that's the question, because now you're playing the game of what does Frank Reich want to do? When is he going to admit that Jonathan Taylor is the guy? Yeah, John Taylor is your prototypical back. So that's the question here. Is it right away? Does he does he feel some allegiance to Marlon Mack? Uh, is is Marlon Mack going to eventually just be the you know the backup, the 75-25 guy, and on the wrong side of that? You know, we don't know when that's going to be. So that's really my problem here. I think I think Taylor's the guy. He should be the guy. I'm not when I say the guy, he's not Barkley, he's not Elliott, he's not that guy, but he's the, sort of a next tier down there. This is a good team. This is one of the best teams, I think, in the NFL as far as they don't have any obvious weaknesses anywhere. Good defense, good offense. The question mark is Phillip Rivers. Really. I think that based on their personnel, George, they could be a bottom five passing volume team. I think they could just run and run and run and run. I, I think that should be the plan of attack, um, which is odd because I am – it is 2020. I consider myself modern in my thought process, but they could mirror what – the Titans did last year because of Taylor and Mac. Now, Mac's not, nobody here is a really good zero RB candidate necessarily because I don't see any massive upside for Mac with the exception of Taylor getting hurt. The right. problem for me with Taylor, and I'm trying to look at his price right now, when is Jonathan Taylor going? He's going 20th, so just in front of David Johnson and we just spoke about. Yeah, is that listen. I don't know about Taylor's upside because of Mac. Mac is in the last year of his deal. If I'm the Colts, I'm giving him the ball 200 times and Taylor the ball 200 times. Mac's only caught 52 passes in three years. It's just not part of his game. I agree with you. You'll need an injury here for that really to take off there. I think Taylor's going to play more and more and more as the year goes on. I think that's the way it's going to be. I think, well, uh, you know, Reich's not going to have a It's hard for rookies, anymore. too, though. Not rookie running backs. Can he pick up the blitz? That's really the only thing. You know he can hit the hole. Can he pick up the blitz? If he can pick up the blitz, he's going to play. That's really the, uh, what it is, Dave, because I kind of agree with you. They're not going to want to air it out with Phillip Rivers. He can't do that anymore. We know the offensive line is top five, and that might be being mean, maybe top yeah. three in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the best in the NFL. It's that good. They'll open up holes for this running game. The defense is legit. It's good. They're going to get after the opposing quarterback. They may feel the only way we lose games is if Phillip Rivers throws 20 interceptions again. You know, he's going to be on Jameis Winston light. Can't have that. I Listen, I like their receiving group. T.Y. Hilton, if he can stay healthy. Pittman, they draft there. Campbell, Pascal. It's a solid group there. Jack Doyle, I'm a, a fan of a tight end. So they could throw the ball if they want, but I think that would be a mistake to become a passing team. I think they do want to become a running team with passing supplement. Yeah. They can pass the ball here. So I read it the same as you here. I don't see a good RB0 guy here. I think, I think the only way Mac truly pays off, even if you believe he's a running back zero candidate, and I don't, but he, uh, the only way he truly pays up is if a Taylor gets injured. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, Fournette, Reichwell Armstead, Chris Thompson. Armstead is really the only guy that you would uh, evaluate here. Obviously, a lot of strife between Fournette and the Jaguars, but he's playing out this year. I think if you're the Jags, um, I, I guess the difficult part for me with the Jaguars is we don't expect them to be successful. They're not going to be particularly good defensively. And they're not going to be particularly good offensively. I would just say that at a, te- a team that's built like this, which we think might have the least wins in the entire league, normally that means, George, that they'll throw a lot. So to say Reichwell Armstead, if Fournette gets hurt, Armstead's got huge upside. But the upside in and of itself isn't that great. 
unless he catches a billion passes. We just haven't seen that yet from him. Well, I, I, I could see both sides here about whether or not he's a good RB0 or not a good RB0. As you just said, Jacksonville's not going to be a good team. They're going to be trailing in the second half. How many running opportunities are you going to have, no matter who the running back is? Right? I mean, they They'll should be trailing, be trailing in the here. second half at a minimum of double digit games. I was thinking 12 or 16, right? It's, Three it's, quarters of the games? That's right. I would say uh, if that. My, the first number that popped in my head was 14 games. Doesn't mean they can't come back and win a couple, but I think they could be trailing in as many as right. 14 games in the second half. And some of those trailers are going to be by, you know, double digit points where they, they just have to throw the ball to stay in the game. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be an issue here uh, where they just not, not going to run the ball. I don't know how much they want to win. I think this is another team, once again, that would get rid of anybody not nailed down because they want that number one pick next year. You know, a tank for Trevor. You know, it's Fields. Whichever, whichever quarterback you want that you believe is the guy, uh, you're going to want that guy. Lose for Lawrence. So I can see that. Now, I can see the other way, too, that it could be good for Armstead. You know what you have in Fournette? You don't like the guy. You tried to trade him during the draft. Maybe you, you got to see what you have here in Armstead. So you got to play him a little bit. We gotta, i got to find out, do I need a running back in next year's draft as well? So Armstead plays a little bit more. I can see that. You know, also, once again, you want to lose. So Fournette's the better back. You, know, you sit him on the bench, play Armstead, gives you a better chance to lose. You know, I can see that. Any that's obvious a, passing downs that Chris Thompson is going to be in there and catching. That's the other problem. And you just said it. The next problem is I don't know how many pass catching opportunities are going to be in there for Armstead. Even if he can I think catch them. many. Ball. I right, think Chris we, Thompson is in there to catch all the running back passes. I agree. Yeah. So I, just, I like Armstead as more of a dynasty play, keeper league play. You know, as a guy who might be the starter next year. You know, if he shows something this year, but. As for an RB0 guy, once again, you probably need Fournette either to get hurt or be gone. Yep. Uh, last one in the AFC South, uh, Derek Henry, Darrington Evans, David Fluellen. Your only option there is, I mean, Fluellen, you know, that's a depth flyer. You're not going to draft him in, in any league. Darrington Evans, though, uh, right now in the NFFC, Darrington Evans is going, I'll do fantasy pros for this one, PPR leagues. He's going 58th running back. That's really late, 57, excuse me. Uh, that's really late, George. But in a 12-team league, 57 running backs could get drafted. That's five running backs a team. You can get 60 running backs drafted onto teams, no problem. Um, in fact, you're going to hit that in basically every league. So he's the guy that you would say, look at the workload they give to the starting running back. If anything happens to Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans comes in there. Even if he's not as good, he'll touch the ball 200 times. But... What do you think of Darrington Evans? I think Evans is more of a handcuff for me than an RB0. Once again, this team lives through Henry. He's going to carry the ball. They just signed to a new contract. He's going to carry the ball. They need him to carry the ball. You know, if he, I think they rely on him. I think they, they may be the number one team in the league that relies on their running back. They, they use the run game to get the passing game going, not vice versa. So I don't know if Evans is anything more than a handicap, uh, handicap, than a uh, a, a backup. Uh, somebody, a, a good fantasy guy you want on your team there, uh, in case uh, Henry goes down. That's the way I, I see it here. Yeah, it can be Derrick Henry insurance, but I would also say to fantasy owners that are looking for a little bit of a different strategy, I'm not a huge proponent of having to handcuff your guy. If Darrington Evans is sitting there in the 15th round and you've drafted Derrick Henry, go for it. But I would also say that if you're somebody that is looking for different types of strategy. Now, now Tennessee's unique in that they're a very run-heavy team. And it's a heavy amount of touches concentrated at the running back position. But I would also say to people out there that are looking for a little bit of a different strategy, 
feel free to draft the running backs on other teams. If you don't have Zeke Elliott, draft Tony Pollard. If you don't have Derrick Henry, draft Darrington Evans because it gives you the opportunity with your running starting running backs that are potentially getting healthy, grabbing a share of another backfield. If you have Henry and Evans, that's fine for protection, but it is still just one backfield. In this instance, a very high volume rushing attack. But in general, George, I, I am a proponent, and I have utilized this already this season, of drafting the backups on other teams to complement my starters, which don't, aren't necessarily the handcuff. I do have Tony Pollard and not Zeke Elliott. I will potentially have Darrington Evans and not Derrick Henry. It's just uh, it's a way to employ a strategy to grab a hold of multiple backfields. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in automatically uh, for getting the, the, the backup to find a top running back. You know, I'm not a really. I want a guy who I think is going to be the most productive. You know, the only time I would do that is if I have a, a starter who gets hurt all the time. All right, then maybe you know if Ezekiel Elliott got hurt all the time, yeah, then I might want a Pollard. But other than that, I agree with you. I'd rather have Pollard on his own, even if I don't have Elliott, because you know he's going to get eight touches a game, and he could do something with those touches. Pollard's a good running back in his own. Madison for Cook. I said I think Madison's a very a great running back on his own as well here. But I might consider that more if I had Cook where I'd want Madison only because Cook does get hurt. And I, I really yeah. want to cover myself with that. The problem, though, is with Madison, he's not going around 14. You're probably going to spend around eight, nine pick to get him. Yeah. You know, that's a problem here. That's another premium pick. You got to go there. And I don't like doing that. You know, I don't like uh, automatically doing that with the guy when it'll be other more he's valuable the 37th players on the running board. Back. Right. So that's a running back three, running back four, 12 team links. You know, I understand most leagues are ten team leagues. I mean, a thirty seventh running back off the board in almost every league every year prior to this is starting in your flex. Just a starting flex guy yeah, in a lot of leagues, which Alexander Madison might not play much. If 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 Dalvin Cook plays full boat every week, Alexander Madison's touches are going to be really low. Yeah, you're praying that he gets in the end zone, really. If, yeah. uh, if Cook is playing, yeah. uh, and it's tough to do that. That's why I don't like. You know, listen, most leagues, we only have five bench spots. Maybe you're going to have more this year because of COVID, and you'll be able to spread it around a little bit. But I don't like uh, I don't like using a bench spot, one of those valuable bench spots, on someone, you know what? In week four, when the buys start, I might end up releasing because I have a buy that he's not going to help me now, and there's a better play on the wire, and I don't want to take a zero because I'm one and two or 0 oh and three, and I need to win now. Yeah. To wrap up my, my previous point about grabbing somebody that's uh, a different team's backup from maybe what your starter is, the Colts are a primary example. Would you draft Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor? No. It's a bad call. Yes, they'll get a whole bunch of touches, but you are limiting the upside. Jonathan Taylor is going 20th. Marlon Mack is going 33rd. So you're spending a, uh, let's do the math here, a late third round pick in Jonathan Taylor and a early eighth round pick on Marlon Mack. So five rounds apart, you're grabbing two guys from the same team to try to get upside to win a title. It isn't going to work. The math won't work out. They won't see enough touches to get you to the upside that you need from those picks. It makes sense, George? Yeah. Once again, it, it is doing the math there. It, it just can't work out. You know, the only, I mean, the only way it would have is once again, you had an injury there. You got halfway through a season with one thing, hey, I had the backup. I'm good there. You can feel good about yourself. But on a game to game, I think we forget that once the bye week start, we all get nervous. We don't like taking zeros because, we, oh, my God, I don't have anybody to replace this guy. You're going to release these guys anyway. We see it over and over again. That's why I tend to stay away from that unless I feel the guy's going to get hurt. Is it Madison would be a guy, yes, I'd want because I do think uh, Cook gets hurt. But Pollard, not automatically. I love him. 
But Elliott doesn't get hurt. Zeke's going to play. He's going to be in there when it matters. Yep, uh, agreed. So, all right, we're going to wrap up the hour after this. We'll get a final thought. Uh, a couple of running backs that George may or may not like for this fantasy season. We'll be right back on the grid after this. It's Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, George, we're going to close out on something positive in this hour of football full circle. Uh, Washington football team. We talked about Ron Rivera earlier, but they did hire new team president, a historic hire, the first black uh, president in NFL team history. Jason Wright, who spent seven years as an NFL running back, he earned his MBA with high honors from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. That's a fancy school, George. Uh, he became a partner for the global strategy and management consulting firm McKinsey & Company. He's now president of the Washington football team. I believe he played football in college at Northwestern. Uh, forgive me if I got that wrong, but I think that's right. So uh, nonetheless, a historic hire, and it looks like they are, they, look, they've turned over a ton of personnel in this building. As much as people want that owner to sell, forcing that owner to sell doesn't appear to be happening, but he's trying to put the right people in place. Yeah, he got the right people, right? That's the most important thing. Uh, I do think he hit a home run in Rivera, even though he signed, he hired Rivera before any of this really happened here. And now we'll see with uh, Jason Wright if he made another home run here. Uh, I mean, you have to take the job if you're uh, Jason Wright, but man, this is a mess you're coming into. Uh, you got a lot of work to do and a, you know, a lot of fires to put out here. And I wonder if that's going to hamper his ability because he really just can't be GM. He's got other things he's got to worry about rather than what's on the field. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's, that's a lot to ask of anybody. And I wonder if almost anyone who almost anybody who's going to take this job is just a sacrificial lamb. They're not going to be able to handle everything. You know, they'll be there a couple of years and they'll have to move on and get somebody else who well, I hope maybe not. more reap the benefits of what Jason does. Yeah, he's responsible for leading the organization's business divisions, including ops, finance, sales and marketing. So uh, trying to get all those things lined up is going to be tough, especially at a year like this, George, we, we know that anybody that's in this position is going to have a lot of challenges when it comes to uh, business ventures. He's got a rebranding to do. they got to find a name. All that kind of stuff is really going to fall uh, under his purview. So uh, congratulations to him uh, and a historic hire. But uh, I don't know, like you said, a lot of challenges with this team. But as I used to spend a lot of time in college athletics and talking to athletic directors, and I remember one of them saying upon him getting a new job, he said, you know, you don't get this job because things are running really smoothly, generally. <laughs> There's only so many of these jobs available, and you're not getting, unless somebody retires and they're just up there in years and they want to walk away and hand this diamond to somebody else, then maybe. But generally, it's because things went gone sideways, and they certainly have in Washington. Good luck to Jason Wright. On behalf of Brian Rakowski and George Kurtz, I'm Mike Blewett. Thanks for watching this hour of Football Full Circle. Get on the grid.
Were you scammed into signing a timeshare contract? And did you miss the part that said you have to pay for your great idea? Not only for the rest of your life, but when you're not here anymore, you get to pass this turkey onto your family for them to pay for the rest of their lives. Thanks, Dad. Don't burden your family down the road, and don't be stuck with expensive timeshare payments forever. Get out of your bad idea, timeshare contract, guaranteed, or pay nothing. Call Resort Release today and learn for free how their timeshare exit team can help you legally exit your timeshare contract. They've helped thousands of people and they're A-plus rated with a BBB. So if you feel scammed, get mad and get out of your expensive timeshare contract right now, guaranteed. Call N-O-W. 800-804-7060. 800-804-7060. That's 800-804-7060. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.